0: Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. New series, 356, from one of the most well-known passages of Scripture. And the title of our message this morning is Trust in the Lord. We're just going to ta- tackle the first three words of our text. Now, we may have certain trust issues, amen? Amen. We may have trust issues with people, and if we're honest, we may even have some trust issues with God. It's not His fault, but we have the issues, not Him. Now the Hebrew word for trust, which is patak, is mentioned over 180 times in the Old Testament, 50 times in the book of Psalms alone. How I many you know if God has said something 180 times, He's probably trying to get through to us? There's something he's trying to say It's pretty significant, and I have read each one of those 180 verses because I wanted to just immerse myself in trust because I am determined to trust the Lord like I never have in my life. I've been a Christian a long time, but sometimes I realize how I fail to trust him in some of the simplest things and some of the most serious things. And so I want to bring you with me on this journey. We are going to learn how to trust God. As Nathan said, we've been learning how to seek God. Now that we found Him, we're going to learn how to trust Him. Are you with me? Yes. All right, we've got to dig in and we've got to make this deep in our heart. And so I want to encourage you to memorize this scripture. That's your assignment. Some of you may already have it. We're going to memorize it together in the New King James Version. And so will you recite with me Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Memorize that, because next Sunday I'm not going to put the cheater on the screen for you. you got to be ready. <laughs> you know what? When you memorize Scripture, it goes from just your mind, it goes into your heart, And we need the Word deep in our heart, especially for these days, and especially when it comes to trust. And so it's important that we, if the Bibles, if all the Bibles were taken away from us, do you have enough of the Word in your heart to sustain you? This is why we need to know the Word. This is why we need to memorize Scripture. Now, there are many different definitions of trust in the Old Testament and in the Bible, and we will study each of these definitions The first thing we learn about the benefits of trust is, number one, trust in the Lord instills confidence. When we put our trust in the Lord, He puts His confidence in us. When you put your trust in it, it's interesting that we, we place our trust. And if we will put our trust in God, He will put His confidence in us. And we need confidence in this life, not confidence in ourselves. But confidence in God, that we know He is faithful. And if we will trust Him, He will give us that assurance. He will give us that confidence, whatever we're facing on the job or out at, with, at school or with family or whatever it may be. We need more confidence God confidence, not self confidence. And so that's my first, that first point. Trust in the Lord instills confidence. So the word again, let's define it a little further. Batak means to high. And I haven't seen that word in a long time, so I had to look up high. And that means to go quickly or in haste. So trust means to go quickly or in haste for refuge. In other words, you're taking off running for safety. And it means to be confident or sure. And it also means to be bold or secure or to confide in. This is from multiple sources. And so we see that trust means to run for safety. Run for a safe place, a place where you can be confident and sure, and you can have a safe place to confide in the Lord. I love this word, high, another word we've learned. See, our vocabulary is expanding. You just came to church, didn't realize you are going to a vocabulary school as well. When we are in need, we can high or go quickly and in haste for refuge. I'm going to be working that word into conversations for the rest of the week. I would encourage you, hi. And they'll say, hi, what are you talking about? <laughs> now, there are many scriptures that speak of God as our refuge and our confidence. Look at Jeremiah 17, verse 7. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Do you hear that? Not confidence in yourself. And that's the difference between us and the rest of the world. People try to build up the self because self is the false god. And so people think we need more self-confidence. I'm here to tell you, you don't need more self-confidence. You need more God confidence. Your confidence has to be in God. It's not in us. And so this morning and maybe next week, I'm going to be talking about what it means to trust in the Lord. And then I'm going to talk to us about what we shouldn't be trusting in. The things or the people that we should not put our trust in, in place of the Lord. And so verse 8 of this passage, he will be like a, blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. If, if you have your trust in the Lord and your confidence in him, this is what you will become. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Aren't you glad that the fair's here and the heat's going to go away? It's magical. It just happens every year. Whenever the fair, the heat changes. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought or in a 50-year of drought. You know, if it's a drought every year, is it really a drought anymore? Isn't it just the way things are? Because then if it rains, it's a flood, bless God. Let's just, you know, in the drought. And how many know there are times of spiritual drought... But if your confidence is in God, your roots will go deep. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. No matter what is going on in the world, you and and me are called upon to always bear fruit. Even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when we're going through challenges. But that's what happens when our confidence, our trust is in the Lord. No matter what happens, we will bear fruit, fruit. I'm getting ahead of myself, I'm getting excited. We will bear fruit because of God. Our confidence is in the Lord. We know God is in control, whether it's a literal drought or a spiritual drought. We have confidence. And when we trust in the Lord, our roots go deep. And when your roots go deep, you will not fear. More on that later. So that's one of the advantages of of trust. The second advantage we see is trust in the Lord inspires hope. Now, there is a difference between faith or belief and trust. There's a difference in the Hebrew, two different words, one for faith and a different one for trust. Because faith and trust are just a little bit different. Look at according to synonyms of the Old Testament, it points out this difference. The man who believes God or has faith in God is he who, having received a revelation from him, realizes it and accepts it as true so that's what faith is. We we have a revelation from God and we accept it as true. But the man who trusts God is he who casts all his hopes for the present and future on God. So faith is the belief that all God says and all God does, does is true. That's faith. You have a revelation and you believe it. You believe in God. But trust is that hope we have in God for the present and the future. And so we need hope for today. We need hope for tomorrow. This world needs hope. And the key for you and me to have a hope in our hearts is to trust in the Lord. When we trust in the Lord, He will give us hope. And this is important for us to walk out. Hope and trust are closely linked together. We see this connection with trust and hope in Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy to overflowing. And so that's a promise. That the hope we have in God, when we put our hope in God, he will fill us with joy. But we have to trust him. And a requirement of this trust is number three: trust in the Lord requires waiting. Oh, great! (laughs) But this is this is a hallmark of trust. So often in Scripture, waiting and trust are are together; they're in the same context, and so waiting and trust often go hand in hand. While we're waiting, we have to trust the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, I don't like waiting much. And so I try to find shortcuts, bless God. Yeah, I try to you know, do more than one thing at a time. Like, if I've got to carry in the luggage, I'm not taking a second trip. I may have a suitcase balanced on my head and four in my arms, but I'm not taking that sep- second trip. I'm getting this all done in one trip. Anybody with me? It's, it's like a feat. It's like a manly thing. How much luggage can we carry? How much of the groceries, nine gallons of milk, can we still carry on without dropping too many? And so, so much of our journey, let me read this, Psalms thirty-three twenty. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. So waiting and trusting often go together. And so much of our Christian journey is marked by times of waiting. Between the promise and the promised land is a wilderness of waiting. And that's often the case. God makes a promise in our life, and then we go through a season of waiting. Because often we're not ready to walk out the promise yet. I mean, you oh, know, when Joseph had his first dream, he wasn't ready to be second in charge of all of Egypt. I mean, he just ticked his brothers off saying, hey, guys, I had this great dream where you all bow down and worship me. Isn't that cool? They already couldn't stand him because he was cocky and, you know, a little sure of him, had a lot of self-confidence. God had to break down. And so Joseph had a dream, but it was years before the dream was fulfilled. He had to wait, He had to wait in, in uh, slavery, he had to wait in prison. There was a lot that went on in Joseph's wife, uh, life to make him ready for the promise. And if we are not careful, we can become impatient and do something that will make things worse, not better. How many times did people take things in their own hands? Abraham and Sarah took, things, took matters into their own hands. They weren't willing to wait. My goodness, they'd already waited 90 years. Come on, what's another 10? But they got in a hurry, they got in a hurry, thought they could fix it themselves. And it's always dangerous for us to take it from God and try to do it ourselves in our own time. I always go to a certain drive through car wash here in town, and you have to line up your wheels on a track, and you put it in neutral, and then it engages you, and you're on this track, and it's pulling you forward. Well, I've noticed that the last set of rollers, the roller brushes, you know, the big roller brushes like this, the last set of the big roller brushes always pushes my, my mirrors in, my outside mirrors, you know, what it collapses them in. And then after going through, I have to pull over and get out of my truck and fold out both mirrors, walk around the truck to the passenger side, fold out that mirror. People are waiting on me and I'm freaking out, I'm getting stressed. So I got tired of doing that, and I came up with an idea. Dun-dun-dun. I had noticed there's a brief gap of time between those last roller brushes and the final rinse. There's just a gap. I timed it. So there's this little delay, you know, when the last brush whooshes. You got a little bit of time before that last monsoon of rinse. And so I thought, next time, if I just time it just right, I should be able to quickly roll down the driver's side window (laughs) about halfway, just, just down a little bit, and then push out my mirror and roll the window back up before the final rinse. I was ready. So the next time came, and I passed those last rollers, and I swiftly and deftly rolled down the driver's side window. I attempted to just go halfway, but that automatic roll feature, you know what I'm saying? You just touched a button, it goes all the way stinking down. I was trying to just go halfway, I mean it. It's not my fault, the stupid button went all the way down. Now I was panicking and fumbling around for the window up button. But before I could get the window back up, water starts pouring into the cab, soaking me and my seat. And so finally, after freaking out, I was able to get the window back up, but I kept feeling this spray of water coming from somewhere. I looked over at the passenger side and realized <laughs> I had actually pushed both buttons and rolled down both front windows. Now water was spraying in from the passenger side. And so I hurriedly tried to find the right bus and push or pull or something. I got, you know, windows going up and down, back and forth, <laughs> randomly. I finally found the right buttons and rolled up all the windows just as I exited the machine. I was soaked. I'm sputtering wet. And here's the worst thing of all after all of that. The outside mirrors were still folded in. Instead of making things better, I made them worse. Instead of saving time, I now had to take time to dry out my truck and me. A man, I was soaked head to foot. If we aren't willing to wait on God, we can make things worse. (laughs) Many times the waiting is for our benefit. He's doing it for us. He's not just, God doesn't randomly make you wait. He has a purpose in all of it. And He's moving all the chess pieces on the chessboard of the universe and even in our lives for a reason and a purpose. And if we try to take a shortcut or hurry God along, you will get wet. (laughs) And it will be worse. And so trust means you're willing to wait. You're not going to get ahead of God. You're not going to try to worry it through. But you're going to learn to wait for God's best and God's time. And there's such an incredible promise if we're willing to do this. Look at this, Psalms 40, verse one. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God, and many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Amen? This is so important for us to understand that if we trust and wait while we're in the pits, the pits of life, in time, He will lift us out of it and set us on a rock and a firm foundation. But we gotta be wa- willing to wait. We gotta wait patiently. I don't like those words separately, let alone together. Wait, because it matters how we wait. How many of you know we can wait and complain the whole time? And that's not trust, that's distrust. Because we're complaining about God's timing. I believe there's a lot of people here today, you're, you're struggling with the timing of God. Things aren't moving as quickly as you'd hope or working out when you hoped it would. But I want to encourage you that if you will wait patiently, He will lift you out of that pit. Whatever the pit you're in, whatever concern you have, whatever misery it may be, God will... But, but you've got to wait patiently. You've got to trust Him. That's what it means to wait patiently. And then not only will he lift you out, he'll put your feet on solid rock. And he'll put a new song in your heart. That's the benefit of trust. Yes, we have to wait, but in the waiting we get a new song to sing. We see God more clearly than we ever have before. If we wait while trusting the Lord, there is a reward. Number four, trust in the Lord removes shame. This is one of the most beautiful benefits of putting our trust in God. When we trust Him, He takes away our shame. Jesus died on the cross for our sin and our shame. And if we will only repent and ask for God's forgiveness... He will forgive our sin and heal us of the shame that comes along with it. How many know when you've repented and there's still condemnation, it's not from the Lord? Because when we ask God for forgiveness, it's immediate. And not only does He take away our sin, He takes away our shame. Satan tries to control us through the shame of our past. He tries to tell us, You're no good, you can't be used of God you have no purpose, you'll never get your dreams because of what you've done in the past, but that's why Jesus died on the cross for us to take away that shame. Sin brings shame, and if we get rid of the sin, we'll rid ourselves of the shame. Listen to this heartfelt prayer of David. Psalm 25, verse 1. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust. Same Hebrew word, batak. Oh my God, do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. When we trust in God, when we confess our sins, when we repent and turn from our sin, he not only takes away the penalty of sin, he takes away the condemnation of shame. The devil is a liar and he's accuser of the brother, and, and he always tries to remind us of our past, always tries to bring it up in our faith. But if we've turned from that and we've repented and we've asked for God's forgiveness, then he takes away the sin and the shame. How many know, as you're a child of God, and as a child, the children of God do not bear shame? We don't bear shame. We repent and we're free. And I know the enemy tries to hang shame over our lives, tries to, tries to keep us from our future, what God has for us, because of the shame of the past. Trust silences shame. When you trust that God has forgiven, he'll give you strength and power to overcome. This, we're gonna stop with this Point number five, an additional quality of trust is trust in the Lord overcomes fear. Wow, these benefits, you know, when we trust the Lord, it pleases Him. We're going to see how much it means to God when we put our trust in Him. And so it just, it honors Him, it glorifies Him when we say, God, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to trust you. It pleases God, and not only does it please God, but He will help us overcome that fear. The best way to conquer fear is to put your trust in the Lord. Look at Isaiah 12, 2. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Notice that fear and trust cannot occupy the same place at the same time. And so the way to drive out fear is to, is to have greater trust in God because the two can't stay together. And if we put our trust in God, He will drive out that fear. I believe many are battling fear today. Anxiety and dread and fretting. And, and I'm here to encourage you today. You don't have to live the rest of your life that way. I understand that fear can be a habit, can it? You just automatically go to the worst case scenario. You just automatically are afraid. And there are times we may have fear, but do we dwell on it? Do we keep it close to us? We need to develop a new habit called trust. The first thing we hear something, we need to believe the best, not the worst. We need to say, God, I trust in you. No matter what happens, I will trust in you. Because constant and relentless fear can be an evidence of a lack of trust. And fear and trust are choices. They're hard choices. Habits are hard to break. But you've got to break a bad habit with a good habit. Look at Psalms 56, 3 and 4. This is another good scripture to memorize. Listen, Satan comes at us. We've got to come back at him with the word. The sword of the Spirit. So we need to know this word. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Oh, make this your prayer to God. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? And, And the psalmist knew where we would struggle. Some of the greatest fear is the fear of man. The fear of what people could do to us or say about us. We're held prisoner by that fear. And when we are afraid, we must intentionally and purposefully choose to trust God in his word. I know fear can be like almost autonomic. It just happens without us even thinking about it. And as we're studying on Wednesday nights, no one can do anything to you outside of God's permission and plan for your life. And so even if you're in a difficult time, in a dark time, in a place where you don't want to be, I encourage you to trust God anyway. Put your trust in God. It's a better way to live. And realize that God is working all things out. Don't we know that? He promises Romans 8.28 to work all things together for good, even the bad things. And so while we're waiting, God's working. And we have to trust Him that He's going to work it all out. Fear of man is one of the worst fears to wrestle with. I understand. I have battled it myself. Trying to be a pastor and trying to please everyone, it'll, it'll put in you the fear of man. And the way you conquer the fear of man is the fear of God. When you fear God more than you fear man, you will be free. And I gotta be honest with you, sometimes I fear man more... And I want to be free of that. We want to do what God's called us to do. We don't want to have our lives controlled by the whims of other people. And if we do, we will live in a prison of fear. And the key to unlock that prison door is trust. Where you have to say, God, I am going to trust you. When you quote these scriptures, Lord, I will Put my trust in you. I will not be afraid. And sometimes you're you're scared to death while you're saying it. But it's pushing back the darkness. Little by little we're overcoming that bad habit. It's time to rise up and say enough. In God whose word I praise. In God I trust. I will not be afraid. Would you bow your heads with me today? If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you a chance to do that today. You you can know the greatest love you've ever known, the greatest peace, the greatest joy. But you have to repent of your sin. You have to turn away. You have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You cannot save yourself. Only God can save you. So if you're here today and you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, or maybe you have in the past, but you know you're not where you belong. You're not right with God and you want to get right with God today. I'm going to invite you just to raise your hand if you want to accept Christ today. Anyone? Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Any other hand? Just slip up your hand and you can put it right back down. I want to thank you for having the courage to raise your hand. That's that's called faith. You made a decision that you were going to accept God, and he's going to honor that. So I want to lead you in a prayer, and the rest of the folks around you are going to pray with you because we're family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And So if you raised your hand, I invite you to repeat these words with me. And again, congregation, would you join us? Dear Jesus, Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead and are coming again. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive you into my life. I repent of my sins. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family. We're so excited that you decided to join the family of God. We'd like to meet you and get to know you better. If you take that card in front of you, just fill it out, drop it in the offering boxes as you leave. Or you can come forward when the elders are, come forward to, to pray for people and just let them know, I accepted Jesus today. You got to tell somebody. Tell somebody. If, if it's not here, a family member, tell someone, I gave my life to Christ. I want to do one more prayer before we conclude our service. Do you need confidence today? Amen. Are you losing hope? Are you in a season of waiting? Are you struggling with shame? Are you wrestling with fear? You don't have to raise your hand on those, but I just want to pray for you. Lord understands what's going on in your life. But I believe God wants you to be free. I believe God wants me to be free. So let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, you know those who are battling with fear, shame. Those that are struggling with the waiting. Those that are lacking confidence in you and feel like they're losing hope. Lord, I pray that instead they would rise up and say, Enough. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I will not be afraid. I will not be ashamed. And Lord, I just pray as they grow in this trust with you, Lord, that you would set them free. Lord, from anything that has held them back, any of these habits of unbelief or doubt or sin or shame, Lord, let nothing hold them back anymore that they're free to fulfill their purpose and destiny, the plans that you have set for them that are good plans, hope, and a future. And so, Lord, I pray that you would go with us now. and May we walk this out this week, that we're going to make a decision to memorize Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and we're going to make a decision to practice it and live it, that we will trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to bless you. Would you stand? There will be elders up the front if you need prayer for anything. Altars are always open. Let's keep our conversation to the foyer because people will still stay to worship. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.